Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Today is October 21st, 2013, and this is broadcast number 50. And I was just commenting off air with our guest today uh, how this is the 50th broadcast of this podcast. A whole year, well, almost a whole year, close enough, uh, a whole year of doing these podcasts for you, the listener, um, covering a whole wide range of topics. And I've been blessed to be able to do this for you. And I hope that you have been equally blessed to hear and listen to some of the things that we've talked about on this particular program. If you do have comments or questions about the program, you can write me at confessingourhope at gpts.edu. And I will respond to you just as soon as I'm able. Uh, may not be the same day or even the same, well, I won't say not the same month, but it would be close to when you write me. But you write me, and I will respond when the Lord gives me the time to do it. Um, And of course, as usual, I say this every time, and I'll say it again, we do have a mobile app. Everybody has mobile apps now, right? So you might as well get ours. It's the GPTS mobile app. You can find it at the Google Play Store or at the iOS Apple Store, if that is your choice um, of weapon that you carry around in your pocket. But either way, you can get the app wherever you like on the internet, and it is free, of course, for those who would like to have it. It has our podcast on it, of course, and as well as our chapel sermons, uh, mostly the ones preached by Dr. Piper. In addition to that, it has the Spring Theology Conferences available there as well. So you can listen to all of our resources that the seminary produces and is a part of uh, wherever you may be, um, wherever you may be. It's really nice tool to have and use uh, to your benefits and blessing. And of course, uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention our website. It is gpts.edu. If you have questions about the seminary, maybe you're interested in going to seminary, you're thinking that the Lord is calling you into the work of the gospel ministry and are looking for a seminary, uh, feel free to check us out online, gpts.edu. Most questions you have would be answered probably there. If not, you can write us at info at gpts.edu, and somebody will respond, not me, but somebody will respond to your questions, uh, whatever they may be. And, of course, our podcast has a website, confessingourhope.com. There you'll find out all the information about the podcast, who I am. If you've noticed, I have not told you who I am. I'm done doing that. Everybody knows me by now. Um, So I'm not going to tell you who I am. But if you don't know, you can go to the website, and there's a whole thing about me if you want to read about it, if you're bored. Uh, Knock yourself out. It's at the website there for your um, informational resource. In addition, there's the broadcasts that are coming up, as well as past broadcasts uh, of the podcast, Uh, if you don't use the mobile app or or some other resource. Today we'll be talking with a man who has been laboring uh, overseas, as a matter of fact, for a significant amount of time. He's going to tell us how long, I'm sure. Uh, But we'll be talking with uh, Mr. Michael Cuneo, and he's a missionary in Italy. And he's going to talk with me about the work in Italy, uh, what the Lord is doing, uh, the challenges of being a missionary, uh, working in that field, and the, uh, and the blessings, of course, that go along with it. And then we'll be talking with him also about his background, what led him up to having a burden for the work in Italy. So we'll be talking with Mike Cuneo in just a second. I do want to remind everybody about our Faith and Practice segment Uh, It's something that we do every month. Those who um, have been listening to it have had great reports from you that you've thoroughly enjoyed it. But uh, if you're not on board with it, it's very easy. Go to our website, confessingourhope.com, and you submit your question, whatever it may be, theological, practical, I don't really care. Um, Don't ask what what our favorite baseball teams are, those kinds of things, no. But theological, practical nature, great. Dr. Piper, the president of Greenville Seminary, will sit down with me once a month and deal with your questions. So it's really a listener-driven program. So write your questions in. There's a form there. makes it very easy. And we will re- deal with your question, hopefully, Lord willing, on the air. Now, if we do, you get a free book sent to you by the seminary. No cost, no strings attached, nothing. We just send it to you. So take advantage of that opportunity. If you're looking to build your library, I can't think of a better way. Send your question in, Dr. Piper will respond to it, and you will get a free book in uh, in return. So confessingourhope.com is where you can get that information for that particular segment. Segment four is being taped very soon. 
and um, we'll continue to do this as the Lord enables us each month on this podcast. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking with uh, Mr. Michael Cuneo about his work in Italy. And um, Mike, it's great to have you on. I, um, I, the listeners are a little bit of a disadvantage because you and I are pretty good friends. I've known you for a while now and um, in some way help assist you there in Italy. Um, but it's great to have you on to talk about this. I know it's a passion of yours and um, it, your heart is very burdened by uh, the people in Italy. And so it's great to have you on to talk about this, um, this passion that you have. Hi, Bill. Good to be with you. Thank you for the invite, and uh, it's a privilege to talk to you today about uh, about Italy. Absolutely. Now, just for the listener's sake, Michael Cuneo is a graduate of Greenville Seminary. He graduated back in 2005. Um, he's also a graduate of California State University at some place, one of those extensions that they have. He'll probably tell us back even before that in 1995. So just for the listener's knowledge, he is a graduate of the school that I'm currently a student at. So it's always good to talk to graduates of Greenville Seminary. Mike, tell me um, just briefly, tell the listeners, uh, what is your background? I mean, where did, did you come up, come in through a Christian home or, or a different way? Bill, I was, uh, I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was very blessed to have um, uh, parents that were, that loved me and um, uh, made many sacrifices for me. I have an older, older brother and older sister. We were raised in more of a traditional Roman Catholic family, uh, so we, we went to Mass every week and on every holy day. We went to the parochial schools. And my mother made a, a commitment to, to pray with us uh, every night. And so I'm, I'm very very thankful in God's providence for many of the, the blessings that I had uh, growing up. When, uh, when I was, uh, uh, say, about when I was 11 years old, 11, 12 years old, uh, my mother passed away suddenly. And shortly before that, my, my grandmother had passed away. And as a young, young man, it brought many, many questions into my life um, that I had not considered before. Uh, everything seemed to be permanent um, growing up. Everything was ideal, at least in my mind. Uh, but then all of a sudden, the shock of uh, having to confront death and change. And so many questions were in my mind. Uh, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? Uh, where... Where am I going after death, etc.? And I remember always seeing God and, and, and praying, but He always seemed afar off, seemed distant. Um, the, the the transcendent God, but never a God who was who was near. And as I continued to go to church um, through the a lot of the mystical things, there was a semblance that He was near. But the moment I walked out of the doors of the church. It was like a vacuum, and uh, then again, I was confronted with a God who was distant and far off. I um, had these questions for many years and, until I was at um, Cal State Chico in California as a, as, a graduate, as a student there, undergraduate, and I was actually coming home from, from college back to the Bay Area in the car. I was listening to the radio, I was scanning through the stations, and came across a radio station where the, the Bible was being read. And I remember a man reading uh, Romans 3, and I remember him saying, there's none righteous, no, not one. And of course, he's quoting there from Psalms. Um, and as I listened, I was shocked by, wait, wait a minute, I thought I could be a, a good person, a righteous uh, man. I thought I could be acceptable before God based upon my uh, being in a state of grace, uh, participating in the sacraments, and doing good works. Um, shortly after that, I came across uh, Christian radio and started listening to uh, copies of sermons on the radio from Reformed churches. Mm. And before long, I came under conviction of sin, that I, I really did not know Christ, nor did I love God, that I was a sinner, and that nothing I could do could could merit um, His grace or mercy. And all I was left to do is to cry out to him for, for mercy, for forgiveness. And that was a period of around a year. And God was working in, in that period of my life. And before long, people started calling me the new Mike. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know the day, uh, perhaps, but there's definitely a change in me. And I started having uh, assurance 
uh, of forgiveness of my sins, that indeed um, Christ had had died for me, lived for me, that he is my, my Savior, and that I could trust in him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel. So it was it was quite a um, um, traumatic time in the sense that I it was a whole other world that I had not seen before. Um, and the scriptures came alive. Uh, at that time, I was still attending the Roman Catholic Church. I had not met other uh, other believers. In fact, growing up, I had not met a born-again believer until I was uh, 21 years old. So I, I went to some of the uh, bookstores. I started to uh, look for a church. And by God's grace, um, the Lord directed me to a, um, a circle of believers. And I uh, still was in university at that time. And I finished out my university. And one of the, one of the men... Um, who discipled me, one of the first books he gave me was uh, Holiness as uh, by J.C. Ryle, as one of the first books to read as, as a believer. And he introduced me to um, uh, other various books. And we went through, a, a, I distinctly remember, and I give God praise for this, I remember my family thinking I was crazy. They, th- they thought I'd gone off the deep end or joined a cult or something of that nature. And I remember going to this man's home for a year survey of the scripture. He said, why don't you come to my home and we'll go through a, a survey of the Bible. And so we went, I went ahead and did that. I remember leaving in tears times because um, these people are so kind to me and I, I barely even know them. And yet I realized it's, uh, the only difference is because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas people I've known for a long time you know, I would not be able to connect with them on a, on a spiritual level. So it was the first time I experienced Christian hospitality and uh, the, the love of Christ ex- expressed in the body of Christ. And then uh, after I graduated from, from college, I was recommended I go down to an uh, Orthodox Presbyterian church. And I, the Lord provided work for me in the Silicon Valley, where I worked for a number of years. And uh, the Lord blessed me as I uh, attended uh, First Presbyterian Church of um, Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Sunnyvale, where really the, that's where the Lord gave me a, a love for the church, a love for missions, um, a love for the doctrines of the church. And uh, while I was working in the Silicon Valley, I attended church there, and the Lord was gracious to. Uh, to feed me spiritually, to um, have me sit under the preaching of the word, and that's where I, I, that's where the seed was planted for a love for for missions, a love for the church, and at the direction of um, the elders and eventually the commendation of the presbytery, um, they said, uh, "Go east, young man." So, so that's when I. Uh, yeah, that's very east from California. Right, the, right. The extreme so, east. <laughs> In fact, sometimes I, I joke and I say that the the difference between California and South Carolina um, is much greater than the difference from uh, California to Italy. And, and of course, there are, there are differences there, but sometimes the, the, the cultural shock, just the differences in the culture. But I was very blessed to uh, start Greenville Seminary in 2000. And while in Greenville Seminary, um, that's where I continued to grow in, in my, my knowledge, um, Christ, and, and also through the church and the preaching of the word at, at Calvary Presbyterian Church. I've heard of that church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so people know, um, and me and my wisecracks, um, listeners are used to me by now, um, but that's where I am um, currently attending. That's why I said that. I've heard of that church. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're biased. Um, so, so really, it was it was at Greenville Seminary that uh, I also grew my love for the, of the confessions of the church, and really had um, great models set before me of, of men who who loved the Savior, who loved the church, loved the courts of the church, and uh, the confessions, doctrines of the church, and who were zealous for for the gospel. So, I was very blessed to have those examples set before me. One of the one of the Things that I just I um, thank the Lord for in seminary was being able to sit under the preaching of the Word, of course, in, in, in on the Lord's Day twice, 
but then have uh, chapel messages at least, uh, if I remember, at least three times, four times a week. And then if I was, if it was, if I happened to be in a homiletics class, it was another at least maybe two to three times. Mm-hmm. And so to have um, the preaching of the word um, in this, in the center of a seminary life was such a blessing. That's one of the things I, I, I dearly miss uh, once I left seminary. And I realized it was uh, not the reality of the real world, but it was, it was a blessing that I had while I was there, and I, I greatly miss. So, so while in seminary, I um, didn't really know where I would serve. I knew that I I wanted to serve the Lord. The Lord gave me an increasing uh, desire to preach the gospel of Christ, that Christ be exalted, that He be known. Um, even as as I I didn't know Christ for so many years, I knew about Him, but I did not know Him personally. And I, I had a greater desire to preach. Like I said, I did not know where. And I'll, maybe um, if you have any questions, fine. But I'll just tell you what kind of led me to Italy. Yeah, what I was going to ask you before you before we jump overseas, <laughs> uh, I want to back up just a, a bit and and talk about what was it that it prompted you, um, led you to think, you know, maybe I need to go to seminary in the first place. I had in while well, I was at. Uh, in California, I had um, several several men come to me and ask me if I would consider seminary, and I was I had a desire in, in teaching and, and um, discipling men, and I at first would just say no, that's that's not for me. You know, I have a I have a, a good job, everything's fine. I'm in the church I love, and etc. And other men would come. And I would pretty much say the same thing. And then I had one, I was at a conference once, and a man said, what do you want to do? And at that point, I really said, uh, you know, I, I don't know, in the sense that I, I didn't know if I wanted to continue what I was doing in terms of line of work, even the Lord blessed me at it. And so I prayed, prayed. Um, I sought counsel from, from men. And and then it's just not a matter of what I want to do. What does the Lord want me to do as it's being um, as it's recognized and affirmed through the church so so the, the church is a is an instrument of God to either confirm or deny um, where would it be used for his glory and so I would say I was very slow in um, in that process I eventually went to my elders I remember going to one elder and telling him of my desires to consider seminary and he just said uh, well it's a it's a good thing to desire the office. And, and that was pretty much it. And I think, uh, and some time passed and I, uh, went back to him and other elders. And then they, they said, okay, well let's, um, let's have you, um, and supervised, uh, we'll supervise you in terms of teaching in terms of, uh, taking some responsibilities in the church. And eventually, um, with the, oversight of the elders, they commended me to the presbytery, and then the presbytery um, took me under care, and that's the time when I went to uh, to seminary. So I think it was a, it was a process of, of the oversight of the church, the feedback of the people of God, and also my own internal calling, mm. uh, which, which grew over time. I, I can't say that it was, you know, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely doubts uh, along the way. Um, but that's the process through which the Lord brought me is through the, the instrument of the church and then working in my own heart, my own desires and, um, um, with the oversight of the church. Great. Now you came to Greenville Seminary. Correct. Um, obviously you, you had a host of options, uh, uh, where to go and it's not really the focus of the discussion to talk about why Greenville Seminary, but you, obviously you came to Greenville. Um, when is it in the process, did you begin to have a sense that, Maybe overseas foreign missions, however, whatever word you want to attach to it, um, began to to brew inside of you. Well, I, I've always heard in in uh, seminary from professors that were called to be uh, a minister, preaching preacher of the word, and that means be a preacher of the word, a minister wherever God calls you. Mm-hmm. And however, it was not until the last year that I really considered overseas. And I, had, I was uh, 
went into a class. Uh, one of my, it was actually the, I think it was the missions, uh, evangelism and missions class when it was just both all in one class. And there was an Italian man who was in the class. He was actually in the wrong class. And it was one of my one of my last classes, and I had uh, I had when I was at uh, when I was converted at university, I was studying uh, Italian literature and mm. uh, language and culture as a as a minor, and never had any idea what I would use that for. I just had That's... to do it. Um, in retrospect, I can see Lord's providence, right? And so I, mm. I, I tried to speak a little bit of Italian. I had not spoken spoken Italian in, in quite some time, um, not practicing the language. So I tried to speak a little bit of Italian with them, but but I I had an interest uh, right away. Being um, you know, typical American, being uh, diff- various backgrounds, uh, having our great grandparents from different backgrounds. Uh, in my case, from Ireland and um, Italy, and so I had a, had an interest. I grew up. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church uh, grew up uh, amongst Italians or Italian immigrants or descendants. So I had a general interest, and I, I wanted to uh, know more. We became friends, and he uh, he had often asked me if, if I'd be interested to come over and help with uh, the church where he's, he is in uh, Viterbo, Italy. And so I, I considered that, but I, I never thought it was serious. Well, um, one of uh, Dr. Piper had visited, I believe it was in 2006, to visit the church to um, see what's what's going on there. And he was one of the men that asked me, coming back, asked me to consider if I'd be willing to go to Italy um, as a uh, pastor, church planter, evangelist. And so also um, my friend had asked me that. I I uh, took a trip over in 2007, beating starting part of 2007 to to visit here, and I came here for a month, I exhorted while I was here, and um, and then the the church uh, eventually had had asked me to um, come to be their their pastor, and I was ordained by Calvary Presbytery of the PCA in 2007. As a um, uh, with powers of evangelist, of course, that are renewed every year, but to come here to Viterbo, Italy. So that's um, that's a bit of the how I became connected with with Italy. I would say my my desire and looking back and seeing God's providence in my life. Uh, of course, I have, a, I have a heart for those who are um, Italian, but also who are perhaps in. Um, some of the, the the falsehoods of uh, Catholicism, mm-hmm. and there are very many more other uh, aspects. Um, but that's just in a, in a in a brief way some of the connections to Italy. Yeah, it's interesting too. You mentioned that it was in your fourth year that you began to have this burden for foreign missions, overseas work, whatever. Um, but it's interesting because, and this is something that may not be well known by many people, um, the seminary does have a very big missions emphasis. Um, uh, Dr. Tony Curto is, uh, was probably your professor at the time you were here. I don't know for sure, yes. but, but he is uh, very active in missions. Um, those who listen to this podcast all the time heard his interview I did with him on a philosophy of missions, which was outstanding. If you haven't listened to it, you need to. Um, but there is a big missions emphasis here at the seminary. Once a month, we have a missions chapel. And so we're regularly and often being introduced to this other work that um, exists, uh, the gospel going forth across the globe, not just in the United States. And um, so there is this big emphasis for those who are wondering um, how we approach that here at the seminary. So um, it does occur, and quite often, actually, here. Now, Mike, you mentioned you're in Italy. Uh, where exactly are you? You mentioned the city, but that may not help to sure. people unless they start Googling it. You know, where is Viterbo? <laughs> right. Uh, Viterbo, Italy, is 81, around 80 kilometers northwest of Rome. It is in the uh, region of, of Lazio, for those of you who are familiar with, with Italy, central Italy. Uh, right, We're basically right south of the Tuscan border. Uh, some cities that are nearby are Orvieto. Uh, Terni, we're about 
an hour and a half drive from to the north northwest of Rome. Mm. Now, because you're so you're obviously in close proximity to Rome, mm-hmm. um, that must uh, just because of that create its own challenges. Um, you mentioned already briefly the, you know, the the heavy Roman Catholic influence. Is it really that? Is it severe? I would say historically, yes. Um, Central Italy, um, parts of Italy, what was once a papal state until the Risorgimento, the unification of Italy. Uh, many not, may not be aware that Italy is actually a younger country than the United States. Um, 1861, the reunification of, of Italy. So you have many, many influences historically. Uh, Viterbo is called the City of the Popes, um, has a, a, a rich history. And we have to remember, too, that um, this is our, our history as well as, as uh, Protestants. Uh, we, we often have a line of demarcation, perhaps at Trent or uh, during the Reformation, but we have to remember that um, this is very much part of our history, too, uh, for, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, regards to the influence today, m- most, most Italians do not attend Mass, are not uh, active participants in uh, the Roman Catholic Church. And so it's a, very, it's a growing secular society. Uh, Italy is, uh, a, a, I would say, we we'll call it a spiritual cesspool of various um, religions, occult activity, a very high uh, level of occult activity in Italy. And so you run into people, and they might be dabbling in different things, but when you... Um, I would say they'd mostly be culturally Roman Catholic, even though they mm-hmm. don't uh, attend the Mass. Maybe they were baptized. Maybe they, for the wedding, they have, they go to the church. But that's that's about it. Um, sounds like a, sounds like the United States in some sense. Right, right. Human nature. A lot of cultural, similar. yeah, yeah. A lot of cultural Roman Catholics. They, if they had to identify themselves, they'd say I'm Roman Catholic, but they haven't been inside of a Roman Catholic church in well since Easter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For lack of a better way of expressing it, um, yeah. that's interesting. I'm not as uh, familiar with that, of course. Um, it, my wife, many people know, uh, was born and raised in Roman Catholic Church, and she was very active uh, mm-hmm. Roman Catholic. So mm-hmm. when she came to the gospel, it was it was even more for me more remarkable because of her close re- allegiance and alignment with the Roman Catholic Church. And it's interesting to hear you talk about how that is somewhat similar to the United States. And human nature is what it is. It's it, it is what it is. But it, but aside from the Roman Catholic influence, I mean, it's still there kind of in the undercurrent, but what other religious influences not Christian do you re- face there in, in Viterbo? Uh, here in Viterbo, it's a smaller city, so uh, I would not say as much. But, you know, you, you run into people who are uh, into a lot of uh, Eastern religions, Hinduism, um, a mix of, I even ran into one man who said that he was uh, practicing some type of uh, Etruscan pagan ritual, whatever whatever that is. I, I, um, you run into people who, um, I've talked to a few people in, in nearby uh, some distant uh, towns where there's uh, Satanism that is um, is openly uh, or uh, oh practice. So, so really, it's it's a mix, and I think the one thing that I've learned is uh, not to assume, but to to listen and to, to try to understand what people are saying. Uh, you might have people who believe that um, they might believe that the the matter of the universe is eternal. They might believe in evolution of one sort or another. So, you really, for each person, you have to understand what they uh, what they believe or what they assume. And then start from there, and then answer um, a fool according to his folly, and mm-hmm. try to. But first, try to understand what it is that he he or she believes. And I, I think one of the things that I found, at least here in Italy, is when talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, how much confusion there is, also regarding the Holy Spirit, uh, among mm. some of our uh, uh, charismatic brethren. Um, but regarding Christ, I, I don't know if you remember, Bill. There's a I, when I was younger, I watched a program where they said, "Will the will the will the real Mister So and So stand up?" They'll describe. Oh yeah, describe sure, sure. I'm displaying our age, you know. You know, you, you just you just tipped your hand. <laughs> and and so a lot of times, you know, you're you're perhaps a description of the person of the Christ that they're 
that they believe in is not the one of the Bible. So um, right. mm. it's a lot of the ministry, I would say, is starts with um, rooting up, tearing down uh, false ideas of who God is. And then planting uh, the seed and, and starting from the scripture and declaring who is God, uh, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, his sufficiency, um, his, his work on the cross, who is man. So uh, we're dealing with false ideas, false ideas and views, distorted views of who, who is God, who is man, um, what is the world we live in. And so constantly having to return back to the, the only authority that we have in God is the, the, the Scripture and appealing to the Scripture and saying, um, God has said in His Word, the Lord says. And this is so important because that's really what it is about. It's, it's a matter of authority. And from where we're getting our, um, our claims for truth or where we're getting um, the, our beliefs and so we find constantly that we're going back to the Scripture. We're trying to understand the Scripture, of course, better ourselves and be good, uh, good uh, testimonies of, of Christ. But the Scripture is that which we constantly go back to, to again, to, to root up, tear down, to destroy um, false ideas, and then to, by God's grace, to show from the Scriptures, this is what God says about, about you, about your sin, about your need for Christ. Interesting. It sounds a lot like what you would do anywhere, though. In some, in obviously, um, d it would differ, of course, from region to region on the on the planet. But, but this area carries with it some unique aspects. Uh, number one, you're not from Italy, and and I remember you and I have talked uh, just over coffee or or wherever the case may be. And how how are foreigners received? In, in, especially in that area of the country. Right. That's a good question. I, I, I've met many, many wonderful people who are very kind, very, um, very, very accepting. Um, however, I'd have to say that there's overall a great uh, suspicion um, on the part of the, the people versus any people they don't know, foreigners. And there is, a, um, some, there is some bigotry um, mm. that you do find. Um, here, here locally, I would say when you go to the, some of the larger cities, that they are um, uh, they're used to having different cultures, different peoples um, in the city. Whereas in a in a medium to smaller city, uh, you're not going to have that openness, or they're not going to be used to that. So perhaps there's a little bit of a uh, sometimes rudeness, uh, sometimes closed, very closed, not being hospitable. But, uh, you know, we're not to be overcome by evil, but we're to overcome evil with good. So right. it's an opportunity for us to um, show the love of Christ in, 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 uh, through hospitality in various ways mm -hmm. and also to um, proclaim him. What is the moral climate like there? I mean, we, you're certainly aware of what's going on in our country, in the United States. But what is, how would you gauge the moral climate just in general? I mean, obviously, we're not talking about morality in the sense of the vertical, but in the horizontal world. Sure. Um, it's, it's strange because you're in, a, you're in a culture where there is the influence of um, the Roman Catholic Church, and, and I would say in, in some ways it's good. However, um, many people will say, well, I don't believe in the institution of the church, but they're still deeply uh, superstitious, and they will follow Mary, they'll follow the saints, but they reject the institution, uh, the, you know, the authority of the church. Morally, you, you have an older generation that perhaps has a, a strong influence on the, uh, on the culture, on the, on the children, grandchildren, However, um, uh, you know, there's certain sins that are, um, are prevalent in the culture. Uh, corruption, of course, is something that's uh, not exclusive to Italy, but definitely more and more prevalent here, at least in the news. Mm. You have uh, young people who are, are living together um, mm. without, outside, of, uh, outside of marriage. And... You have a lack of commitment by by men to to marry to take up responsibility. You of course have um, 
um, some of the moral issues between the relationship between the uh, the son and the and the mother and how that impacts the marriage. Uh, that, you know, and not keeping with the leaving principle of leaving, cleaving. So there are a lot. Mm. There are a lot of uh, various things um, in that sense. One thing I, I noticed uh, here in Italy. Now, when I'm speaking, I'm just speaking of the of where I live, and of course, it might be different in other um, other areas. So, so other listeners who might know a different area of Italy, perhaps it's different. But yeah, I, it's like it's like us in the United States, and in the East Coast, we're all normal and rational, and people who live on the left coast are weird and strange. Yeah, I think all okay, that was a joke. It was a joke. It was right, a joke. Everybody's right, listening is right. all they're all falling out of their chairs and, and can't believe I just said that. It was a joke. <laughs> so if you live on if you live in California, I don't really think that. I'm just making a joke. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well well, we'll have to talk about that, Bill, another but time. You, but well of course I made that joke on purpose because our guest today is from California, right? Okay, everybody got it now. Everybody's relaxed, everybody's calm, right. everything's good. But the point he's making, and I think it's a good point, is that um, obviously, uh, Mike is not in every area of Italy. It may differ. Uh, you know, certainly in Rome, it, it, there's they have a heavy influx of tourism, and that influence all by itself certainly impacts that culture in different ways, whether they know it or not. In in other areas of of Italy, um, where heavy tourism and that kind of thing are there, but where Mike is, it's not exactly a tourist spot. So you get more of a raw understanding of what's going on. Um, you know, on what I would call. Um, the nationals, you know, the people that live in Italy, been there their whole life. And so that's why I asked that question. And I make kind of make that comment because, you know, you can't pretend to know what's going on in 200 miles away, but where he's at, this is what he's dealing with because this is where he's working and planning the church and trying to establish uh, a church in this area. So it's good to know, you know, what are you dealing with in that area? So anyway. Yeah, that's a, a good good point, Bill, in terms of um, the American perspective on, on Italy. Many times uh, Americans will think of spaghetti and meatballs, lasagna, mm -hmm. right. um, baked pasta, or you know, recipes, opera, uh, certain things, and that would be the stereotype, or, or cannoli, that would be the stereotype of, of Italy. Uh, so they'll come here and they'll think, well, okay, we're going to get all this in, in every place we go. It's not like that at all because in Italy you have different uh, different regions that have maintained uh, their their identities, their own culture. And remember that Italy is only a, a united nation since uh, 1861. And you even you even have also the language of Italy. And the peninsula is is a unifying Point. factor, but it's it's not until recent times that it's that it's been a, a language after the uh, unification, and so so each each area has its own things that are, are very beautiful, you know, the culture aspects of the culture, the the food, the language, um, uh, which which you know it's, for me it's very interesting, very uh, I enjoy the the diversity in that sense. But it can also be a, a very much a challenge for the gospel because you have people who are identify with those local cultures, uh, perhaps with the language. Um, many people may not know that in Italy, the um, although Italian is a formal language, in each area that you go to, um, you might have different dialects that are spoken that, that may not sound anything like Italian, may not be able to understand it. So there are numerous dialects, numerous, uh, there's, there's different diversity, different influences in the north. You have the uh, Austrian influence, you have the French influence, central Italy, perhaps, or in the northwest. You have um, the Spanish influence in the south, and in uh, Sardinia, you have the various influence of Spanish and different cultures. In Sicily, you have the, you know, the historic influence of um, North Africa, of the Normans, of um, uh, just, it's just such a diverse place, and each place you go has going to have a reflection of that culture by means of the language, dialects, food, uh, mentality, and uh, where I am, um, it also has its own identity. In fact, um, I can go to a, I've gone, I frequently go to another town nearby, and when people begin to speak in the local dialect, I don't understand what they're saying. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I've, I've been in Italy for coming here for since 2007, and I started uh, preaching in Italian in 2000 and, um, uh, see, 2010. And so although I preach in Italian, although I can 
you know, have a conversation with somebody, but if, if they're speaking in dialect, it can be very, very difficult. Um, mm. And so it's just another aspect of the ministry where um, it's so much better if, if the, lo- the local people in the church can be equipped and trained for ministry. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you're hitting on what, where I was hoping to go with this. Um, the, these cultural issues, you know, it's funny because, you know, I live in the United States. I've never really been out of the United States. I've been in Canada for a little while, but I don't really count that. Uh, but anyway, if you're from Canada, no offense. It's just I was a little boy. I don't remember much of it. But the cultural issues are interesting because here you are, an American who comes over to Italy, and you're not expecting Italy to change for you. But as a, as a missionary who's bringing the gospel to them, you have to somehow – I don't know what the right word is. You have to somehow embrace their culture at at some level so that you can minister to them where they are. I mean, and that's really the point of this whole of this whole line of questioning is that it, you you have to learn their language, you have to understand their 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 typical practices and th- those kinds of things. And um, you're the you're the unusual one, as it were. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> and and so you it's sort of for you to un, for you to minister them effectively. You have to you have to learn their language and and understand what they mean when they say things and how they say things and all that stuff goes into it. These are things I think oftentimes gets missed. We talk about people who go to uh, different countries, especially um, one like Italy, where you have all these different barriers in place, not because they're necessarily bad, but because they just are they are what they are. And 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 so what I want to do is bridge that aspect, the moral cultural basis, and then bring it over into what you're trying to do specifically in Viterbo. You're, you're obviously a pastor of a church there. Mm-hmm. And um, how has these barriers helped or hurt what you're trying to do? Well, in, in the first place, Bill, as as a, uh, as a foreigner, um, of course, I'm, I'm much more sensible to what it means to be a foreigner. Of course, as Christians, we are, are pilgrims, we're foreigners in this, mm-hmm. in this place. Mm-hmm. And so I understand. It's helped me a lot more in terms of my own spiritual life and understanding what that means in, in practical terms. However, here in Italy, it's something that I've just learned. Maybe at first, I was, you know, I didn't want to be seen as a foreigner. You know, you want to be like them, and you don't want to be seen as different. But but hey, I am. I don't look. Uh, I don't look Italian. I look uh, uh, blondish hair, blue eyes. So I, I stick out, especially in central Italy. Maybe in the north, uh, I'm okay. But uh, so, rather than um, I just em- embrace that that I'm a foreigner, but also embrace the fact that I, I'm a student. I'm, I'm, you know, that I want to be a student for life. I want to learn. I want to uh, grow, understand the culture, appreciate the things. Um, also, be in a, a, in some sense an ambassador for Viterbo because I, w- I want go- I want blessings to come to Viterbo. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I know that that comes. Um, in the best way possible by means of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, in learning and growing, um, I'm able to understand um, some of the cultural issues, some of the, the differences, and try to really get down to what, is, what are the root, what are the things that are acceptable, what are the things that are not acceptable, what are the things that that have to fall, everything has to fall into the Lordship of Christ, but what are the things that are outside of that now that in individual lives have to change? And really that's what it comes down to is one person at a time. So in terms of the work of the church, um, we desire that the Lord, the triune God, be worshipped and glorified here in, in, in Italy, that Presbyterian Reformed churches that are confessional be, be planted in here, and established so that for generations um, the triune God would be worshipped. I was just reading um, chapter 21, the Confession of Faith, uh, section 2. It says, Religious worship is to be given to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and Holy Ghost, and to Him alone, not to angels, saints, or any other creature, and since the fall, not without a mediator, nor in a mediation of any other, but of Christ alone. And when you look across Italy, that's that's not the case, and so mm. the, our God is is worthy of worship. And as the blessings come down into the local church and through the local church, as as we see in um, Psalm sixty seven, 
then we desire that those blessings overflow in, in prayers by means of giving and prayers and, and, and sending and, and participating, and that the people of God might be raised up throughout all the ends of the earth, and that God might be given the worship to his name. And, and that's, that's what comes, for me, it comes back to one of the things that I come back to again and again, because he is, he's worthy of worship. Yep. He's worthy of worship, and, and he's, his glory is not to be given to any other, not to graven images, neither to, to any, any man, only to right. um, him. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the king and head of his church, and he's the one building his church. So, so mm. one of the things that encourages me is reflecting back upon whose, whose work this is. It's not my work. It's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ by his Spirit to build up his church, to convert people, to um, lead us in our worship, um, that, that he has to be the center of what we're doing, of what we say. And so our desire to plant churches is very much annexed with the proclamation of the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And without that, the church um, will not grow. That's It's the chosen means that God uses to convert people, to build them up, to advance his kingdom. And so um, preaching is very much at the center of, of what we believe and what we are committed to uh, in the context of the local church and also the, the ministry of the word and equipping the saints for, for ministry, um, prayer, praying mm-hmm. constantly for these people with whom we have contact, that, that God might uh, might have mercy upon them, that God might give us wisdom in what we do. And so um, much of what we do ultimately is so that God might be praised and worshipped. Um, and that, that is our, our desire, that, that men, women, and children uh, repent of their sins, that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as he is offered in the gospel. And, and that, that we ourselves are growing and, and reflecting him as a covenant body, a covenant community. And then as people hear the word, they see that word reflected in our lives, mm. uh, in, in what we do. And so we're, we're very small in number. So um, many times it's hard for us to, uh, to see that in a, in a greater sense. But um, person by person, um, we pray that God would, would use us and help us toward that end. So we need we need churches because without the visible church, um, we don't have the sacraments. So we need men also. We need men who are called by God, who God equips and calls to, to the office to, to minister. And so churches would be organized and that um, sacraments would be administered, that would be the preaching of, of the word. And so these are some of the foundational things in terms of um, seeing the church um, founded and, and built up and other churches, God willing, planted, is seeing that God raise up men. They have, before they can be an elder, they have to be converted. Yep. And before they're converted, they have to, we have to reach out to them. They have to hear the word. And so, yep. and so there's a, there's, they have to mature also. And so there's a process that um, doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. It's not. Yeah, you often you've often referred to this work that you're doing in in Italy, which um, is difficult for Americans to get their mind around. I think because we're instant, everything is instant. You know, stick something in the microwave. I got I got a meal in three minutes, and go through a drive-through, and I've got whatever. Um, but you have you have often heard uh, referred to this, and I've heard you say it as really this is a generational work. Mm-hmm. Um. Talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that. All right. Well, what I mean by generational is I we have a goal to to see that Presbyterian Reform churches, confessional, are, are planted um, in Italy, that are self-sustaining, that mm-hmm. are um, themselves equipping um, the Italians for the work of ministry, that are um, discipling men for leadership in the churches, etc. Some of these things we might we see in, in play, we see God working, but these might not all happen in our in our lifetime. In our lifetime, we might not see 
um, Italian churches planted that are self-sustaining, that are um, equipped, that they themselves equipping men for office for, for to be pastors and evangelists. Um, we have to be committed long-term to setting the foundations of church government, ecclesiology, of um, men to preach the gospel. Men need to be sent from other churches. Uh, so there, it's a process. We're just, um, I'm just one man amongst many. And so we may not see the fruition of our goals in our, in our lifetime, but we do it because God's worthy of praise and we, we obey him. And we don't trust, we're not pragmatic, we don't look to circumstances and uh, make decisions by that. We're, we're called to be obedient to Christ, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize. And this is a, something that has to carry on. There's not, it's not an option. One of the things, one of the things I talked to um, two men here in Italy, and I, for whom I have, I have respect, and one man I talked to, and I, I might have the facts wrong, but more or less, one man has been in Italy um, maybe 30 years, 35 years. And after, I think after maybe 15 years, 20 years, um, he had a, a church um, planted. And mm. and I, I asked him, I said, what's, um, and when I say planted, maybe with you know, 40, 40 members in that time period. And I asked him, you know, what, uh, what word of advice do you have for me? And he said, um, endure, endure. Mm, mm, mm. And, he, you know, he's, I, I saw him as an example of, of one who indeed has endured faithfully in preaching the word. There's another pastor who's been in Lee for, I think, 45 years. And actually right now I'm thinking of yet another who's been for even longer than that's been in, in Italy or about the same time. And these are men who've labored and who have maybe not seen fruit in their ministry for 15 years, 20 years. Maybe in term, we, we describe fruit in terms of, um, you know, a church planted that's, that's um, self-sustaining, etc. But God's grace, is his, he has called people to himself, and, and after many years, they have planted a church being used by God, uh, maybe a church of, you know, 40 people, 50 people. And in Italy, that's, that's, that's big. And so it's, it's really hard to measure, sometimes to explain to people the dynamic of things, because in Italy, things are very slow. But it's, it's a, a lot of it's a matter of being faithful, being committed to what Christ has called us. Um, keep going back to um, he who called me is faithful. Right. And uh, continuing to, to labor, to preach, to there's never a lack of opportunities uh, to speak of Christ. That's the one thing for which I'm very thankful. Mm. Whereas very some good. of the most hard-hearted people that I've run into in Italy have been Americans. <laughs> I, I hate I hate to say that, but that's that's um, I don't know the reason why. Um, well, obviously the heart, but you know I don't know if it's because maybe they're conditioned um, in the States, but um, here at least there's been somewhat of a, a curiosity, a um, openness at a certain level. Obviously, God has to change the heart, but... Uh. Right. Well, you, you mentioned this long-term work and, and the need to endure uh, throughout it, and we are running short on time. Let me um, give you the opportunity to talk about your needs um, certainly you have them. Um, if this is going to be a work that's going to be sustained, then these needs need to be met. Um, so why don't you tell the listeners what you need um, uh, doing the work full-time over there in Viterbo, Italy, and how uh, we, c- we as listeners could help with those needs. Sure. I, I, w- I would say the, the number one thing without this, um, it, it won't endure, won't survive is prayer, mm-hmm. um, consistent prayer. And um, I would say, add to that, prayer um, as a pastor for for my own spiritual growth, that I, I myself am, am growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, that I'm um, learning from his word, that I'm growing, that I'm being strengthened, and, uh, and then prayer for, for the ministry of the word, for the people here. Um, 
and, and that's that's something something I was I was caught by recently reading uh, Ephesians six when Paul is um, in, in verse nineteen or twenty, if I remember, he's he's asking for prayer that um, he would make utterance, of course, as an apostle, but um, that he may open his mouth boldly. So here's the apostle Paul. Um, a very educated man who's trained by by the Lord, but yet he himself is asking for prayer for for boldness to speak as an ambassador of Christ. And mm. and so I would say, if, if he needs prayer, how much more do do I need prayer um, for the preaching of the word that God would bless it and the, the ministry of the word and its various facets. So so prayer, um, we do send out a regular prayer list. Um, and so that's that's probably the number one thing is is prayer. The this and mm-hmm. you mentioned the prayer list. Is there a way for the listeners to subscribe to that prayer list? Sure. If they go to um, missiontoitaly.com, missiontoitaly.com. I haven't really changed the site much, but if you go to the news newsletter tab, missiontoitaly.com, look for the newsletter tab, and then um, you'll it's an auto subscribe. So you have to enter your information. And then an, an email will be sent to you where you will have to click and say, yes, I would like to receive, um, I give permission to receive emails from missiontoitaly.com. And then I try to send out prayer updates and uh, newsletters um, often so that people who are involved in the prayer ministry can be uh, can continue with that. Um, and so that, that's one way. Also, uh, on the there's also a tab for financial support. Um, I've never been at 100% of support, so um, financial support is also something um, that is is a, is definitely a need. Um, and then I'll mention uh, two other things. One is uh, I found that there's that we have an opportunity for English um, as a second language. I every week I have a English conversation class. Uh, I don't really teach. It's just more of to converse with people who have a base of English. But through this, I've learned that there's other people who want to learn English and don't have uh, a background. So uh, we've been praying for that God would, would send somebody who is um, mature in the faith and in, in um, a member of a, a church who is able to come and help with um, teaching English. And so that's that's one aspect that would be a, a great help, and then also uh, fellowship, uh, just simple fellowship. Um, and so if if you're of Italian background, somebody's of Italian background, or speak the language, or in some even if you're coming through, you're here into the vacation, um, and you want to come by and just to encourage the people here, that's that's a great need. We're uh, very isolated; we don't have a lot of fellowship where we are. So having those type of connections, you know, we're the body of Christ throughout all the earth, and wherever possible, I try to make those connections because some of our people do not speak any uh, any English, and so if you do speak Italian, that's a that's a great uh, need. Mm. Also, uh, I'll throw in uh, translation. If you're a native Italian speaker and live um, in the states or some other place, if you're in t- um, translation is a great uh, a great need that we have. Yeah, you're currently working on translating, in fact, some um, good books, literature, um, into Italian. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, one book that we've we've sent to the um, publisher, and I was, I was updated and told it might be ready by December, is um, Christianity and Liberalism by, by Machen. Mm-hmm. And that was chosen simply because it was referenced at a conference. It was a good opportunity. And um, thanks to some of the uh, supporters, we were able to send that to the publisher and have that uh, published, God willing, by uh, uh, December. And there are also other works uh, on ecclesiology, on the sacraments. Um, there are a number of Italian um, evangelical publishers, and our brothers do a, a great job of publishing some good works, and for which I'm very thankful. There are though some some areas which are not um, mentioned, not which would be helpful for the church, and that's really, uh, I think, going forward, a lot of the publishing, any publishing that's done, we want to do for the benefit of of the church you know, to help us in in the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots lots to do there. 
Absolutely. Well, Mike, we're out of time. Unfortunately, it just goes so fast. <laughs> it's, a, it's hard to believe an hour has gone by. Right. Um, but as I talk with you about this, and, and certainly I've had the benefit of knowing you personally, um, and, and hear you talk about Italy, not just in this format, but in many other different venues and formats. I know your passion is for the work there, um, for the people there. Um, I know it's been a, a, a somewhat of a difficult road at times, sure. um, but the Lord has been very faithful to you. And I just want to appeal to the listeners. Um, maybe you are in a church that doesn't have an active missions presence. Um, this would be a great opportunity for you to have one. Um, maybe you are in a church that has an active missions presence uh, and are looking to assist and help with work that is, um, is very needful. Uh, I know you hear that from every missionary on the planet. Every missionary thinks that their work is very needful, and it is. It's true. Um, but I personally know this man, and I know his love for the gospel. I know his love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know his love for the people there in Italy. And I would strongly encourage you to, it, it, at the very least, the very least, pray for the work in, in Viterbo, Italy. It, it's, it, you can do that. It doesn't cost you a thing to pray. Um, and you've heard me say that before about other things, but the reality is we just don't pray enough. And so pray for this work, pray that God would bless it, pray that God would sustain it, pray that God would bring fruit from it. Um, his word does not return void. Pray for the preaching of the word there each Lord's day and that God would bring able men, especially to help assist and work in the various areas that Mike has detailed for us here. Um, if you are interested in getting the prayer list, I can tell you the prayer list is detailed. It's very helpful and informative and definitely will help you in your prayer life as you pray for this work. You can get that at the missiontoitaly.com website. It's very simple. I could do it. You can do it. It's not hard to sign up for that. And if you are interested in, in supporting Mike's work there in Italy, he's not acting independently just for the listener's sake. He is acting under the auspices of a PCA church here in the United States. So he is a mission work, and um, so if you want to support him financially, you can do that at the same website, missiontoitaly.com. And I would encourage those uh, that listen, uh, run it by your elders. If you are an elder, run it by your session. See what happens. Um, but it definitely needs to be done. And if you can't do any of those, but you have translation work, opportunities are abounding in that area. So there are many different ways to be involved without necessarily going to Italy. And so take advantage of those and use them, and God would bless, I think, mightily in that way. Um, but definitely pray. Pray for the work there in Italy. Mike, it's been great talking with you. I, can, you know, I know your passion for this. Um, as I said, we've talked many times about this informally, and I know your love for the people there and your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and I pray that God would bless your work there. I know it's been a tough road um, in a lot of different ways. But you stay the course, brother, and um, you endure, as your friend told you, and um, we'll expect God to do great things. Um, never happens overnight, right? That would be easy. Right, right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Bill. And I would say that, you know, there's so much to talk, and um, I'm by, by no means an expert on Italy. I'm a student still, still learning and, and uh, right. growing and but, Learning to drive, even. Yeah, yeah, I, they don't. Yeah, we didn't talk. We didn't really talk about that challenge, but I'm sure that's got to be some some very unique challenge. A little more technical uh, language uh, on the on the driving exam, but uh, I would just yeah, say that yeah. you know there's so many other things, and I would um, encourage any of you to um, through the missionitaly.com website send me an email. Be happy to hear from you. Um, we're always uh, uh, we're always encouraged by your encouragements by your encouragements by your prayers and um we're, we're really we're, we're privileged to serve the lord we're 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 sinners saved by grace just like all other um believers and so it's a great privilege to see what christ is doing in his timing in his way and um i would just invite you to to join in the work of of christ in in italy and uh, so that so that he's praised he's worshiped he's worthy absolutely and again, the website is missiontoitaly.com, in case you missed it. Now you didn't miss it. Write it down. If you're driving, just remember, it's not hard. <laughs> Mission to Italy. That's not difficult. But that's where you can get a lot of the information about the work 
over there. Mike, it's been great. And I do appreciate you taking the time uh, six hours ahead. Not as bad as my daughter, who's 12, but that's okay. Um, it's at least the same. At least we're on the same date right. at this point in time anyway. <laughs> right. um, my daughter is in China, as those of you have been living under a rock uh, don't know. She's in China. And... Um, and it's 12 hours ahead there, and so it, at least it's easy. I just switched the a.m. from the p.m., and I have her time. But um, anyway, but I do appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about the work there. And pray that the Lord blesses it um, as you labor for him in that area. Thanks, Bill. It's a privilege. Let me, you're welcome. Let me uh, tell everybody real quick uh, what's coming up on the program. Next week we'll be talking with Ian Hamilton about the work over in the United Kingdom, and I want to pull up. I lost it. I don't know how I did that, but that's okay. I'm going to find it very quickly. There it is. Um, we're going to be talking with him about the work of the denomination in England, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of England and Wales. And many of you are familiar with the name Ian Hamilton, so we'll be talking with him next week about that work there and the different challenges that they have and uh, how the Lord is working in that denomination for the furtherance of his kingdom there. Coming up after that, go to the website. That's the easiest way to find out. I could sit here and rip them all and give you the list, but that's pointless. Just go to the website, and it'll have all the information will be there if, if I keep it up to date, which is sometimes a challenge. But um, anyway, the website will give you that information. Also, I always forget to say this, and so I want to say this on this broadcast. Um, actually, two things. Uh, number one, I want to personally thank. Uh, I don't do this enough, and I want the listeners to understand and know. These broadcasts happen pretty much because I have a man who works faithfully behind the scenes week after week after week after week after week, lining up guests in interviews and discussions. Um, so I want to thank my friend and my brother, Josh Sparkman, who um, will be ordained actually very soon into the gospel ministry on November 1st. But I want to thank him publicly for the labors he does perform on this podcast. Many of you have heard me mention him from time to time, but he is really the guy that makes a lot of this happen. Um, if he wasn't in the background lining up people, we wouldn't have anybody to talk to. And so I'm very appreciative of his labors in that area. Also, in addition, uh, we are on Twitter. Isn't everybody on Twitter? Okay, maybe not everybody, but we are on Twitter and we are on Facebook. Now, everybody's on Facebook. So, I mean, if you're not on Facebook, you're really... Well, anyway, I won't go there. But we're on Facebook as well. The seminary is on Facebook. The seminary is on Twitter. The podcast is on Facebook. The podcast is on Twitter. Just search for it. It'll show up pretty easily, pretty quickly. Um, so use it. Um, we use that to post announcements and other kinds of information about the broadcast there. So take advantage of that social media outlet as you are able. So until next time, we want to thank you for listening to this particular edition, a one that um, I hope... As you listen to it, you, you get a sense of the work and the labors that goes into many of the work of missions, uh, not just in Italy, but elsewhere. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not, uh, is not uh, reserved to the United States. It's going forward. It's advancing across this globe. Uh, Christ is the king and the head of the church, and he is working. And he's working in Viterbo, Italy. You may never have heard of it before, but now you know about it. So pray for the work there um, and pray fervently. Uh, that God would bless it and bring much fruit um, from uh, the work that uh, Pastor Mike Cuneo is doing there. So until next time, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition, and God bless.